need you to turn your Bibles tonight to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I'm going to start off there. I hope you take notes. Um, this is our Bible study night and our prayer night. And I hope you do do that. You'll need to tonight. I want to teach you, if I can, by the grace of God. The Lord's put this on my heart. Because I want to give our other men opportunities to teach on Wednesday nights. The Lord's given me this thought on my heart and mind for a few weeks, and we'll follow that as He guides us and leads us. But I'd like to teach you, if I can, about the book of Proverbs. And I would like to teach you how to study the book of Proverbs so that you can get everything that you can out of it, at least as much as I can help you get out of that particular book. When you, when you read through your Bible, you know the book of Psalms is a book that I would say is a book that keeps giving us comfort. Do you agree with that about the book of Psalms? When you read through the book of Proverbs, it keeps giving you counsel. It just keeps giving you counsel. No matter how old you are, how many times you've read through it. We encourage our young people and our adults to read a chapter that goes with the day of the month and do it every month. Because usually you will come across something that will just kind of stand out to you when you read through the book of Proverbs. But I want to start tonight with the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay? Because I really want you to understand about the book of Proverbs. It's one of my favorite books. I guess maybe because I knew when I got saved as a young man as I began to read through the scriptures, the preacher challenged me to read through that. And as I read through it, I didn't like what I saw. I saw a fool. I saw me as a fool as I read through there. And I said, Lord, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be that way. And so I begged him and I asked him and I cried out to him to give me some wisdom from above. Now, the book of Proverbs is not... Now, it, the penman, most of the, most of the Proverbs are written by Solomon. Not all of them. Most of them are. All of the Proverbs that Solomon wrote are not in the book of Proverbs. We have the ones that the Holy Spirit wanted recorded. But one thing is you read through the book of Proverbs, if you can get this out of your mind, because you may think about Solomon and how he ended his life was not good. Right, right. He started off with a bang and, and ended in a bust. Right. You agree with that? Yeah. I mean, he got he didn't even follow his own counsel. Did you know that there's a lot of good men that uh, make give better counsel than they are example than they are examples? Yes, yes. They, that's the truth. But I need you to see that, that the Book of Proverbs is not the wisdom of Solomon. The Book of Proverbs is the wisdom of God Amen. that He gave through Solomon. Amen. And that way when you read through they say, I don't know if I want to take his counsel or not. I know how he wound up. Don't think that way about the book of Proverbs. Right. Otherwise, you won't even be reading the book of Psalms either. Right. Uh, you know, and some of the things because of how David, some of the things he did. But God is able to take a crooked stick and draw a straight line with it. Yes. He doesn't need perfect people to do his will right. and to get the work done. Thank God for that. Amen. But look in chapter number 12 of the book of Ecclesiastes. I need you to see this before we go to the book of Proverbs. I want you to look in chapter 12, verse 9. The book of Ecclesiastes is more of a book of philosophy, whereas the book of Proverbs is more about principles and pictures of wisdom. 
But verse number 9. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, talking about Solomon, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words. And that which was written was upright, even words of truth. So, as we read through Proverbs, we are reading words of truth. Okay? The words of the wise are as goads, and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. So, if you study the book of Proverbs correctly, you're probably going to be goaded just a little bit. You're going to be pricked just a little bit. And it's going to motivate you in some areas. And usually if you're being goaded, there's going to be a little pain involved right. with that to kind of get you moving just a little bit. Yeah. You ever need motivated? Yes. Sometimes raw rod doesn't get you moving, does it? Sometimes somebody has to kick in the seat of the britches to get you moving, don't they? And sometimes the Lord has to just kind of stab you just a little bit to get you going. I don't know about you, but I've read the Word of God many times and it has it hurt before it helped me. It didn't harm me, but it has hurt me. But here's what he said. The words of the wise are as goads, as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies which are given from one shepherd. And furthermore, by these my son be admonished. Of making of many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Now I need you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter number 3. 1 Kings chapter number 3. Let's talk about the author of the book of Proverbs, whose name is Solomon. And how is it that he came about with all these Proverbs? How is it that he came up with all of these uh, words of, uh, of wisdom? I love this passage right here. It helps me. Chapter 3, verse number 5. The principle and the whole thing that helps me is the fact that Solomon taught me how to get more than I asked for. And that's what he did. He got more than he asked for. James chapter 5, verse 1 says, or chapter 4, verse 1 says, if you ask for the wrong reason, you'll get less than what you asked for. Is that what he said? He says, we have not because we ask not. We ask and receive not because we ask amiss. In other words, we're asking to consume. We're asking to get. Alright? So Solomon's going to teach you that if you'll quit asking like that, and if you'll start asking God so that you might be able to give, that you'll get more than what you ask for. He said in the book of James that if you're just always asking for you, for you, for you, you're probably not going to get much of that. Okay? You don't want to be a consumer. You want to be a giver and a producer. That's what you want to be. So why are you asking? For example, maybe you're asking God for good health. Many of us are. But are you doing anything with the health that you have? In other words, if God gave you more health, what would you do with your life? Right, right. Would you just kind of go have a good time and get out of church and live your own life? 
Or would you take that life and would you give it to God and use it to be a servant? If you're having financial trouble, if God were to miraculously do something to prosper the work of your hands, and you've asked it to, what would you do with that? Would it would it get you out of church? Would it get you going in the wrong direction? You see, because but if you're asking God to bless the work of your hands so that you might provide for your family, and beyond that, be able to minister to others and be a giver, He may give you more than what you're asking for. You see the principle here? Yes, sir. All right, now look in chapter 3 with me in verse number 5. If you get a hold of that, it'll revolutionize the way you pray. Listen to the way you pray. Is it gimme, gimme, gimme? Ask, listen to the way you pray. And if you're saying gimme, 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 ask yourself, why do I need this? And why am I asking for this? Do you really want God to use you to be a blessing to other people? Now, look in chapter 3, verse 5. I know I've said that several times, but forgive me. All right? Verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. What would you tell him? If the Lord showed up tonight in a dream at your home, and he said, Okay. What you want? What is it that you want? What would you tell him? Here's what he said. Verse 6 says, And Solomon said, And look at his attitude. He said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant, David my father, great mercy. According as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee, Thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Solomon is aware of who he is and how he got here. And he appreciates the fact that the reason why he's there is because of God's goodness to his dad. Do you realize that David, of course, had an affair with Bathsheba. She became with child, and the Lord took that child. All right, and immediately after that, the Lord had mercy on David, forgave him of his sins because he repented of them and tried to make things right. Some things when you you just can't unscramble eggs. Okay, he made a mess of things. God forgave him, and now God's going to give him what I call a mercy child. And he is this this child is a special child of God's mercy to David to comfort him. When you repent, you may you may suffer a loss. When you get right with God, there may be some chastising and some suffering and some pain. But if you truly get right with God, I promise you the God of all comfort will come along at some point and encourage you and strengthen you and help you for the days ahead. He's like that. So he gave him this son, Solomon. So here he is in verse number 6. So I think Solomon knows about this. I think he understands this. Verse 7. And the Bible says, And now, O Lord my God, Thou hast made Thy servant king instead of David my father. Now look at this attitude here. I need you to get this. He says, I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. I ask you, was he a little child age-wise here when this is happening? No. 
he had already shown a little bit of wisdom and some of his leadership already. But this is his estimation of himself as he stands before God. He is evaluating himself. And we're not talking about false humility here. We're talking about him looking at himself and said, Lord, I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. You've put me in a position that is too big for me and overwhelming for me. And I feel like a little child here. That I really don't know how to handle this. Would it be okay to admit that? That sometimes life is overwhelming? And that sometimes we really don't know what we're doing? And how to get it done? So here he is. He's talking to God and he says, I'm but a little child. And so one of the reasons why he gets this wisdom from God that God's going to give him is because of how his evaluation of himself. He wasn't haughty. He wasn't prideful. There wasn't false humility here. He said, man, this thing's too big for me. If you're overconfident, you're probably not going to ask God for very much. You know, if you just kind of believe that you can handle anything that comes your way, you're probably not going to depend upon God very much to help you for wisdom. But here he says, I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. He's referring to as a king. So you see his evaluation of himself. Verse 8. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen. Look at what he calls them. A great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. This was his evaluation of God's people. You see, his evaluation of himself is down here. His evaluation of others and God's people is up here. You know, you got to get past that attitude, well, that sorry bunch down at the church. Right. You ain't going to get much from God if you've got that kind of attitude about God's people. That's right. And by the way, Solomon saw them as being God's people, not his people. That's his attitude. And so if the Lord allows you to have any influence in an assembly, in a church, recognize they're not yours. Yeah. They belong to God. Amen. They're his children. That's right. And you need God, and He doesn't need you. Amen? Amen? But watch what happens here. He says, My servant is in the midst of thy people. I like to be around people who love God's people. Yes. Who have a high estimation. Remember, we read that about that guy Sunday night, Epaphras. He said, He saluted you. That's what Paul said. That He said, Now when he told me about you, he saluted you. Meaning he respects you. And he told me that y'all love each other. If you get around some folks, man, all they all they tell you is about how sorry people are down at the church house. And maybe that may be true in some places, but it's not true here. Now, we all have issues. But it ain't about the perfection. It is the direction. I can walk with people that are going in the right direction. I can do that. All right, notice what he said here in verse 9. He said, now he's talking, he talked about himself, and then he talked about them. Verse 9, what a great attitude he's got. He says, Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? He calls them great again. So how did the Lord respond to this? 
Verse 10 says, In the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, you have not asked thyself for long life, neither has you asked riches for thyself, nor has thou asked the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. What he wants is something that he can use to be a blessing. He's asking that God would give him something that he might be used to help God's people. Think about the way you talk to God, what you're asking for. God, would you bless this so that I could be a blessing? God, would you touch me so that you can touch others? Verse 12. Behold, he said, I have done according to thy words, though I have given thee a wise heart. And I promise you, a wise heart comes from the Lord. Yes. It comes from the Lord. It says, I've given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there is none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I also have given thee that which thou hast not asked. That's what I told you. He got more than he asked for. He didn't ask for money, power. He didn't ask for the life of his enemies. But God said, I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. I'm going to give you riches, honor, and there should not be any among the kings like unto thee all the days. So when he, verse 15 says, he woke up from this dream, and then immediately he is tested. When God answers your prayers, more than likely you're going to face a little test. Okay? So immediately, the Bible says here, that uh, there, in verse number 16, there came there... Then came there two women. When do you need wisdom and understanding? Uh, Y'all misread that. I didn't mean it because it said two women. I just realized what I just said. That's not what I meant. But I'll take it. I'll take it. But what you're looking at here is, is that there's no clear answer. I like it when, if there's going to be trouble between two men or two women, I like it when it's black and white issues. When it's easy to solve. But when you've got two women and there's no evidence and there's no proof and there's no witnesses and one is saying this and one is saying that, man, you got a mess on your hands. Right? I mean, you really do. Whether there's two women or two men. Y'all the one got the issues there, not me on that situation. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But look what he says here. He says in verse number 16, Then came there two women that were harlots under the king and stood before him. But one woman said, O my Lord, I am this woman dwelling in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. came to pass the third day after I was delivered that this woman was delivered also. We were together, and there was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. She arose at midnight, took my son from beside me while thine handmaid slept, and laid it in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. How in the world are you going to prove that? There's no DNA test back in the day. So, this is where we're talking about here now, where the Lord can give man a man <coughs> insight. 
Verse 21 says, And when I arose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. And when I had considered in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. The other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is thy son. And they said, No. So it's back and forth. No, no, you're wrong. You're lying. You're lying. No, it's me. No, that's my child. No, back and forth. But the dead is thy son. So the Bible says, Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is the dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is dead, and my son is living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. Now, who would have thought about doing that? And they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. So what is he doing? He's pressing them to see the heart of a mother. He's pressing them. He's using the right tools to motivate to see what's down in the heart. And so he says, let's just cut this child in two and you take part of it, you take part of it, and here we go. And of course, you know the story, verse 26. You know, God sometimes will bring some problems your way and from and around you and you'll be, God gives you some insight and you help those people for a reason and God is elevating you. Just like when, when David fought Goliath, God did that to elevate him so he could use him. And some, some of the drama that comes around you and comes your way is so that you'll seek God for some wisdom and God gives you a solution. Word's going to spread that you've got a little bit of sense about you. And somebody's going to say, I'll tell you what, He can help you. He can give you some, uh, He can help you with that issue if you'll go talk to Him. Okay? So the Bible says they got ready to cut that baby in two, and you know what happened. The real mother, the real mother, she said, please don't kill that baby. What about the other one? She said, that's fine with me. Go ahead. Man, he knew immediately which one was the mother. Right, right. And the Bible says that in verse 27, And the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And look at verse 28. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged. This is a simple thing. Two harlots, who cares? But God used that in the court system for the word to spread. And look at this. And they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was with him to do judgment. And the wiser you get, the more people are a little bit nervous because they know you can see through things. And, and folks who don't really look for truth and not really looking for help, they get nervous around wise men because wise men can pick up on things right. and perceive things and see through things. Things that are said and done, they, they can put it all the picture together and they can perceive these things. Okay? Now, let's go to the Proverbs, okay? Chapter number 1. I need you to see. And listen, God uh, gave him much wisdom and uh, and in his life, I think Hezekiah wrote down that Solomon pinned down about, I think, 3,000 Proverbs. 3,000 Proverbs. That's a lot, isn't it? But let's go to Proverbs. Now, we don't have them all. I sure wish we did. But the Lord knew which ones we needed. In Proverbs chapter number 1, let's read a few things here. We're going to look at... 
tonight I want to show you some things. I hope I hope I can help you tonight. I pray that I can. Let's look at chapter 1. I want to read the first six verses, and I'd like to discuss them with you and help you and show you some things that you probably need to start doing if you really want to get all you can out of the book of Proverbs. Now, I try to read faithfully in the book of Proverbs each day when that proverb day comes up. I've read it over the 40 years. I don't know how many times, you know, because you go through it each month, each year. But that's not, that's reading the book of Proverbs. That's not studying the book of Proverbs. There is a difference between reading the book and studying the book. Right. Okay? So let's look at chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, he gives us the purpose of the book. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand this, again, this is part of the purpose of it. To understand the proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise, and their dark sayings. And when he talks about the, to understand the proverb and the interpretation thereof. You know, Jesus would use something in the New Testament, something called a parable. Parable was given many times to do for two reasons. Sometimes it was to reveal something, and sometimes it was to conceal something. The book of Proverbs, I don't know if you know this, if you take notes, put this in your notes. The word proverb, the, the English word for proverb comes from two Latin words. The word pro in Latin means instead of. And the word uh, verb in Latin, it means a short statement in place of a long story. So when you see a proverb, what you're really looking at, instead of reading a long story, it's just a few words that, that if you break it open, you know, you got one egg, but if you break it open, there's something inside of it that it can go all over you. Right. Okay? And when you start studying a proverb and you really study it, it can crack open and there's a lot that's in it. Okay? And um, so I hope you, I hope you, the, the word proverb in the Hebrew actually means a comparison. Meaning when you read through the book of Proverbs, I, give me some comparisons of things in the book of Proverbs that you can remember. Anybody? Help me out here. What are some comparisons in the book of Proverbs? Fool, the fool and the wise man. Are they compared in the book of Proverbs? <laughs> Throughout the whole book. Okay, is there anything else? Diligent and the diligent man and the slothful man. That's very good. All right. Anything else? Cindy? The strange woman and the virtuous woman. The strange woman and the virtuous woman. Okay. And the rich and the poor. Okay? And so there's a lot of comparisons that take place in the book of Proverbs. So, when you see the purpose here, 
I want you to understand this, if you don't get anything else out of this lesson tonight, that I think you're making a big mistake in trying to get all you can out of the book of Proverbs if you try to do it chapter by chapter and verse by verse. In other words, if, you, if I were to try to teach through the book of Proverbs in this class the next month or two, I would not do it reading these verses and then trying to give you ch chapter 1 and then let's go through chapter 2, then let's go to chapter 3 or chapter 4. I think that's the wrong way to study the book of Proverbs. I think it's the right way to read it, but I don't think it's the right way to study it because I think you'll find out have you ever have you ever put together a five hundred or a one thousand piece puzzle? Huh? You have done. How about two hundred? Two hundred put together. Okay. See? Okay. My wife loves to put the puzzle together. If you come over to the house tonight, she's got it on the kitchen table. She's got our dining room table. She's got how many pieces? A thousand. Okay. And it's for her, it's therapy. She likes doing that. She really does. But on the box, she looks at the box and she breaks, she takes those pieces and she'll put a whole bunch of colors over here, a whole bunch of colors over here, and a whole bunch of this over here so that she can start putting them together. All right? If you can see the book of Proverbs as a 1,000 piece puzzle, okay, and then you start pulling out pieces that fit certain characters in the book of Proverbs. Then you can put all those pieces together and it helps you to see all of the symptoms of that particular type of person. Would it be a good person or a bad person? Okay, for example, if you took your concordance and you went through the book of Proverbs and you highlighted, even just in the concordance, you didn't just highlight the word fool. Okay? And then take all those verses and put that picture together. And the book of Proverbs will help you to recognize a fool when you see it. Right. Does that make sense to you? Yes, sir. All right? So, one of the words that's used quite often in the book of Proverbs is the word the scorner. All right? Would you recognize a scorner? Okay? Well, there are many symptoms. Not all of them are blatant. Not all of them are out there. Okay? But if you do like she does that puzzle over here, maybe some, some of the pictures in the book of Proverbs are, are big, like the fool. And some of them are not. Okay? But if you take the scorner and you mark every, look up every one of them in the book of Proverbs, look, I like to look at the symptoms of a scorner. The symptoms of a fool. Now, the, the book of Proverbs doesn't just give you the symptoms. It will give you the solution. Right. It doesn't leave you hanging. You don't have to be a fool. Right. You don't have to be a scorn. Right. Take your concordance and highlight every word in there about a wise man or a wise woman. And you say, well, why would I want to know that? Because I'd like to have some wise friends. I'd like to hang around some wise people. I'd like to seek somebody that's got some wise counsel. Agree? Right. So we're, we're talking about how to, how to study this book in the right way 
so that you'll be able to recognize. Because in the book of Proverbs, if you're taking notes, write down these things. There are pictures like the prudent man, the diligent man, the righteous man, the wise man. But then there's pictures of the fool, the slothful. Well, I tell you what, there's a lot in there about the slothful man. Yeah. You know, that guy that, like a door on the hinges, man, all he does is he can't get out of bed. He just turns over and turns over and can't seem to get loose from the bed. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> I mean, that's just the way he is. Or he'll say something like, oh, man, there's a line in the street. I can't be, I can't be at work tomorrow. There was a line in the street. Oh, there's snow on the ground. Okay, that, he, what's he doing, Brother Kevin? He's making excuses that everybody else has to deal with the same thing. I mean, how about traffic around here? If you don't go to work because the traffic's bad. I mean, everybody's got to deal with the traffic around here, right? So, but that, then that book will open up to you if you just be diligent about it. And you put those pictures together. And now put them together for the right reason because you want God to help you to understand people. And your reason to understand people is not just to avoid, but also to help yes. and to minister to people. And so, if once you do that, because you know what you've all you say, well, I don't like, I don't judge people, and I don't size up people. And yes, you do. You do that all the time. Right. You say it ain't right to profile. You do that all the time. I mean, it's just natural to do that. It's normal to do that. But, you know, the, the, the thing about that, you've got pictures, okay? You also have personifications. You know what I mean by personifications? Wisdom takes on like the, like the, the, the traits of a person, okay, so that she can describe, so the Bible can describe it. I wish it would say he, but it always says she. For example... About this, look in uh, verse number 20 of chapter 1. Look at this. It says, Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. So wisdom here now is the virtuous one. Now, by the way, she mentioned the contrast between the virtuous and the... What's the other guy? The strange woman. Did you know that the strange woman... It's also now strange women have to be avoided because they are real, but they also she also symbolizes worldly wisdom <clears throat> in that it will seduce you away from God. Yes, the virtuous woman she has the traits of godly wisdom. That's right. Because according to James chapter three, there are two kinds of wisdom. There's a wisdom from above, and there's a wisdom down here. And that strange woman, in other words, the worldly wisdom is going to appeal to you. If, if, if something's going to seduce you, it's got to appeal to you. I like to fish, and my job is to seduce that fish to bite a piece of plastic and so that he'll think that it's a real piece of bait. And so I'll have to work it, I'll have to change colors, but I'll figure out something. He'll say, hey man, there's something. And there he comes, and he gets a hold of it, but it isn't what he thought it would be. Worldly wisdom is like that. Right. Our, 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 our places in America of higher education are filled with worldly wisdom. 
that will take you away from God and will not give you what it promises. That's right. We'll talk about that another day. But in it, personifications. But also there are principles that are taught in the book of Proverbs. Principles in Proverbs. They are not promises. They are principles. And sometimes people will read through the book of Proverbs and they'll try to grab a hold of something and call it a promise. But what he's talking about, there are some principles in there that if you apply this, this is the general outcome. There's no guaranteed outcome on some of these principles. But there is a general outcome that may happen if you do these things. Okay, so that will help you uh, in, in certain areas of your life if you'll think about that. Okay, so some of those uh, principles are manifested by creation, by creatures. Can you think of any creatures in the Bible that God uses to teach you a principle? Ant. <coughs> what did you say? The ant. the ant. What does the ant teach you by principle? Diligence, not to be lazy. What about another animal? Somebody give me another one. Locust. The locust. What does it teach you? Go by bands. Go by strength bands. Strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. Unity. Unity. Cooperation with each other. Okay. All right. What's another one? Fire. The spider. What does he teach? What does she teach you? Perseverance. Perseverance and diligence and determination. You walk into a spider web, you tear it down, what's coming back the next day? <laughs> what do you have to do to keep that from happening? You have to kill it. That's a principle. Don't give up. Keep going until you're dead. Keep going. Press on. Determination will get you places <coughs> if you'll stay at it. It will. And there's another one of those creatures in there. The cone. What does it teach you? That's like a rabbit-like creature. What is that? What's that going to teach you? Your limitations. Your limitations and your fortification. So those, those, those rabbits, oh, let's use a rabbit. Those rabbits are smart. They know they're, they're, they're no match for that buzzard or for that hawk, should I say, or that we've got some hawks that hang around our house and they're looking all the time for something. And those rabbits, they'll hang close to the brush because they know if they get out, they don't have a chance against a dog, a lion, or a bird of prey. So they'll get out, and then they'll get back. And if they don't leave too far from their protection, that's a principle for us. Know our limitations. Stay close to the house of God. Stay close to home. Stay right with God. Don't 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 get out there too far. I, I was uh, rabbit hunting one time in South Louisiana with some dogs. And, the, and they jumped a rabbit, and that rabbit outsmarted those beetles. Because, man, he ran around in circles for a little while and to, for his scent to be in a circle. Then he, then he shot right into this water of uh, thorns and thistles. And those dogs were just doing this while he was <laughs> up, in that, up in there protected because he's smart. He knows he's no match against that whole herd of beetles. He knows that. So God has put these things in there to help us. And he's got the greyhound in there. And he's got some other things, animals in there. But also not only pictures and personifications and principles, but also proclamations. Let's look at that and we're going to pray and go to the house, okay? Look in Proverbs chapter 30. And this there are, there are certain statements that, that Solomon makes that are matter of fact, not up for discussion. 
chapter 30, verse number 5. Not even up for interpretation. Okay? But chapter 30, verse number 5, and verse number 6. And I believe what I'm reading here. I believe it. The Bible says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Add thou not unto His words, lest He reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. That's not a principle. That's a proclamation. It's a fact. So when you read through the book of Proverbs, and I hope you do, I encourage you, though, from time to time, to study it. Like, and put these pieces together, especially the pictures. And we're going to put some of these pictures together over the next few months. And, I'll, of course, I'm going to give some of these men opportunities to teach and preach as well. But when I'm in here, we're going to go through this. We're going to look at some of these pictures and see what you see. Okay? Amen. So, all right, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the saints of God that are here tonight. Lord, I pray you'd stir their hunger and their thirst to be wise men and wise women, men of understanding, women of understanding. We'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.